0: So, and making sure that you have the right people and the talent that you're attracting as you grow and having that organization is important.
1: I'm excited to continue our conversation. Your journey, you've been in the cybersecurity world for you said twenty-two years. Imagine there's a lot of insight and knowledge, and and as leading uh, several of these different organizations you've been in, and now being CEO of um, Scisive, I would love to start off like what what was this journey been like, and how did you get to where you are today?
0: Yeah, it's been absolutely fascinating, and I like to think I've been very uh, blessed and lucky along the way. Um, um, I started pretty early in the cybersecurity business, mid. Late 90s, and that's when uh, cybersecurity was not even called cybersecurity. So we didn't even have a name. We used to call ourselves information security, all kinds of different names. And uh, those were holidays, fun days. We uh, we learned a lot. I was very lucky to be part of a, a disruptive uh, company at the time, a startup, my first startup company called e commerce. Uh, and uh, we um, learned so much. Uh, for me, that was my first brush with kind of the disruption cycle, VC-backed disruption cycle, right? And being able to solve a big problem, very focused, and and helping our customers. So fantastic, fantastic uh, experience for everybody involved, uh, absolutely myself. Uh, And then uh, we sold uh, the company at peak to another large cybersecurity company, a public company called Entrust Technologies. So I kind of went from early web-based single sign-on to a company which had products on the on the enterprise, on the desktop and encryption, kind of a very different world, right? Uh, from web to more desktop encryption kind of world and fascinating for me, I picked up so much, I learned so much about the technologies, uh, go to market and uh, and uh, where uh, honestly cybersecurity was heading. Now the investments were coming in, lot and lot more companies were getting creative. And um, uh, after after Entrust, uh, I joined uh, another startup uh, called Third Brigade out of Ottawa. Founded by executives uh, out of uh, of Entrust, um, very close friends and uh, mentors over the years. Um, uh, Again, Third Brigade, uh, we built uh, some fantastic technology. Uh, We were a cloud, uh, we were a server security company, and the concept was to create a self-defending server. So have a piece of software providing security on the servers, and it was able to uh, adapt automatically based on the changing footprint on the server. So uh, as we were building that company, a couple of very interesting uh, uh, events happened in our industry. Uh, Virtualization took off headed by VMware, right? So they took off in a big way. And thankfully for us, hindsight 2020 always, right? But at the time, as you can imagine, you're a startup, you're a small company, you have limited amount of resources and very limited amount of dollars to invest. But at the time we decided to go all in on VMware. And we created a, a new technology called agentless security came to brought to the market and uh, that technology took off we were early we were the first uh, we were innovators and it was a fantastic run we went from a few customers to uh, uh, yeah, you know over 2000 customers in 18 24 months and then eventually 10000 customers from that relationship so fascinating journey uh, and then right uh, as, as that was winding up, uh, cloud happened with Amazon and AWS. And again, we spotted that trend early. Uh, hindsight 2020, we decided to kind of go all in on, on it cloud. And, and that was the start of uh, my personal and my co-founders association with cloud. It was very early. Uh, I want to say maybe 2009 timeframe, right? So been 11 years and cloud was early back then but it gave us an opportunity to kind of grow with the cloud. We were early co-designing with AWS and and then uh, eventually with the Microsoft Azure as well. And we co-designed how security tools can be provisioned to uh, to customers in an effective way. And uh, that that journey was priceless. Uh, We uh, sold Third Brigade, Uh, we got acquired by uh, Trend Micro, a large cybersecurity company this time, uh, one of the largest in the world uh, in 2009. And it uh, been a fascinating journey all along, right? I've uh, 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 like I said, the pleasure and the honor of working with some really talented individuals, have had some fantastic mentors all the way from my first startup all the way to now, and uh, uh, just been a great, uh, great experience. What I, um, my, um, I think the biggest... Uh, change for me is I've had so many different roles. I often look back and laugh on, on how many things I have put my hands in, right? I started on the technology side, uh, engineered by, by, um, by uh, education, then I ended up doing my MBA, but I went from technology to business, to running biz dev and strategic alliances, running corporate strategy and MA. Uh, launching a venture capital fund, uh, being a founding partner of uh, of a venture capital fund, and then eventually co founding and, and launching SciSafe. It's been a fascinating journey, and I hope I don't wake up ever.
1: <laughs> I I love also your mention of several times of of twenty twenty hindsight. You're like, oh yeah, that was a brilliant move, but at the time, you're always making a. Um, uh, decisive risk a calculated risk to move into and then later you find out tell me that i'd love to dig into over these years in your different roles uh, in, in in both in in business development and now leading a new uh, entire new endeavor what kind of tactics and and uh do you implement that have helped it grow from from early on getting those few customers to go beyond that what were some tactics that you found that have worked well that another business leader could learn from
0: um, absolutely. I think uh, from day one, I, I've always believed in the, the importance of culture in the company, uh, a culture which is very inclusive, a culture which is uh, customer-centric. For us, that's really important. Everything we built, and I think it started early for us, incisive. Day one from of co-designing this platform, we always uh, work with the large customers and partners to get the input. So we are a very customer-centric organization, and we have a culture where uh, the decision-making is decentralized. There is power at, uh, uh, in everyone's hands and uh, you know, driving innovation. But more importantly, putting yourself in the customer's shoes is always the most important thing you can do in the company, right? And, uh, and uh, I have seen that work magic over the years, just making sure that a, when you're working that hard and that fast, often there is, an, uh, there is a risk of, uh, of misalignment or getting off the track or or even conflicts internal, because, you know, everybody's trying to work very hard, right? We're building a massive company and we're innovating and we're disrupting on many different fronts and it's easy to get carried away in one over the other. And uh, our discussions inside the companies always take a step back and put yourself in your customer's shoes and see how this discussion is going to add value or not to the customer. And then let's have a conversation. That's so important, uh, Alexander, because that is the essence and key to building a successful company, in my humble opinion. Uh, The more customer-centric we are, making sure that we are constantly adding value to our customers, I think we can build,
1: uh, and we are building a fantastic company. Focus and focusing on the customer, both of them, not not getting too excited about where it could go and being uh, focused on what the customer needs, digging into a little bit deeper of when you were had maybe a handful uh, of customers and then and started to scale, but whether you if you want to choose at Third Brigade or, or beyond, what did you find uh, that worked to truly scale up from just let me just have a couple conversations to wow, it actually is taking off. I don't, it it seems to be growing faster. What tactic did you use that you found worked well?
0: Um, yeah, a few things. So uh, having an organization that can support that scale is important. So as you go from you know, building a product, doing some initial testing to testing product market fit to scale international. It's a journey uh, for us, like any other company. And having an organization that is constantly getting tuned to that scale is important. And and realizing that you need a certain set of muscles in every stage, a muscle that uh, works in the first... uh, 100 meters, you need to augment that muscle with something else, right? As you go from uh, from the 100 meters to the, to the next mile and then eventually running the marathon. So and making sure that you have the right people and the talent that you're attracting as you grow and having that organization is important. So that's the first part always. It's about the people. We are uh, in the business of people having and attracting the right talent and motivating and making sure that we are all working uh, Uh, this together is important. The second piece is is an effective go-to market and making sure that you have a combination of different go-to market strategy. You will have to work directly with your customers because that's where you get to learn the most. It's not, uh, you know, when you think about scale, the first step in that scale is learning and making sure that you're in tune with the market and what the customers are expecting. So working directly with some customers is important then obviously there is fantastic set of partners that you have to uh, build your business around, channel partners who can help you scale, SIs, MSSPs, who can take your technology and make it better and, and bigger for your customers. Or, you know, that's, that's important too. Uh, so having that that strategy around channel, I had the uh, the luxury of running global channel at Trend Micro and I've seen the power of how effectively we can work with partners to, to fan out globally. And uh, the, uh, the third bit is uh, I feel uh, association with big brands and, and sensing some wave and creating magic together. I use the example of, uh, of cloud platform that we have done in the past and we continue to do it, uh, with with SciSiv here. We have a strategic relationship with Google, a large cloud platform provider, where we are imagining things together, imagining the future together, right? both on the technology side as well as how we take the market to product together. Right? That's the important piece. You know, fighting the battle alone is is one part of it, but making sure that you have the right allies at different levels is important. So ally like Google or Trend Micro, our our parent company is important because we can go and work with them together to imagine the future, build it together, and then take it to market together because we are helping our joint customers. And again, back to my my comment on being customer-centric, it's all about the customers. And if we work together with some of these large partners, we learn a lot. and we also have a lot of access we have a lot of access to their customers their problems and and being able to help them is fantastic
1: hearing those three things first being really close to the customer at the beginning and understanding truly their their pain point the value of channel partners to accelerate and beyond and then connecting with a larger brand, a big name, uh, and, and partnering with them can also uh, g- help you grow. D- diving into each of these three real quick, the, f- the first one, how do you know when you're at the tipping point of, all right, you're very cu- you know close to the customer, you're talking all the time, and you've done that enough? How do you know when you've done it enough where you're like, all right, I've, I'm starting to hear the same things over and over again, and now it's time to go from just working with these few customers as close as we can to scaling more and, and, and replicating or, or scale. How do you know at that turning point happens?
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it's an interesting, it's a really good question, Alexander. Uh, you will get all the signals from the market. Like you, you don't, I mean, you will, you will pick it up because with, you never stop talking directly to the customers. You're always talking directly to the customers because their needs are evolving as well for us to continue to be disruptive and making sure that somebody else does not does not disrupt us in 3 5 years from now we have to always be talking to customers so that that part is uh, is uh, will will continue to play a role but then you start to see the need to reach the greater community and uh, and you will see signals of partners uh, obviously developing partners you are it's a two way street right some cases partners will come to you with some opportunities because they've heard your name they've heard your brand and they've seen you at one of their customers and and that's how they come to us but at the same time investing in our partners and 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 training them and educating them and and taking them along the way it's a two way street right it's an investment that we make
1: that channel partner d- digging into i'd love to a little bit more like how how have you found because you spent several years then of be focusing on channel partners any tactics there insights that you said oh, wow this this actually worked really well to build that channel partner relationships or growth
0: yeah, no, but absolutely. I think, I think investment is important, uh, investment from both sides. Uh, and it's an, uh, that's, that's, that's the piece that you have to assess fairly quickly. Uh, when you're a small company, obviously, it's hard to get a mind share. But, uh, you know, thankfully, we have the relationships and um, channel partners or MSSPs or SIs are looking out for new disruptive technology. So it is a two way street. So you investing in them in terms of training and education and making sure that they see how you fit educate them on your on the success stories that we've had so far. How did we win those customers and 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 doing that, but in turn also expecting the partners to invest their time and resources in learning the technology and and being serious about this business. Uh, and it's gonna take time. It doesn't happen overnight. In some the smaller you are, the larger the time it takes. But uh, there is goal to be had at the end of the tunnel for both, right? And I think it's that two-way investment, which is, which is really important, education, training, making sure that they have a voice even in your product roadmap, the right partners will actually bring a lot of inputs to make our platform better. And we appreciate and uh, encourage that. So uh, it's all around investment on, on both sides, and you should be able to assess who's the right partner and who's not.
1: Yeah. For this journey that you're on now with, with Cisev, obviously you're starting again in some ways, the journey that you've been on. So you're probably seeing some reoccurring themes. Tell me like how right now, where you are with the team, um, the, the growth, um, what are the current challenges that you're working on or a recent one you've overcome that you can share of maybe an accomplishment? Yes, you were able to get over this um, that someone else might be going through right now.
0: Yeah, but you know... Um... We are in a fantastic stage of our life cycle and and, uh, I'm honored to be leading what I think is the finest team in the cybersecurity business today. So uh, this team is the best out there and we are constantly, like I said, we are very customer centric trying to figure out how to make it easier and better. And uh, the immediate challenge that we have in our hands right now is scale. Like we are going from, you know, a very decent run rate business to now, a much bigger business. Uh, we're right in the middle of that kind of that shift, uh, which is pretty big and rapid and aggressive for us, which is which is fantastic. And as we go on that journey, we have to realize that we have to adapt. What worked before may not work now, right? We, we, in the past, we could have all hands on deck on you know one customer and make sure that they're successful. now it's uh, it's hard, right? we have we have so many. so we we have to make sure that we divide the time. But that's where the importance of having a proper process. How do we onboard a customer, right? Uh, having a well-defined process where we can walk them from A to A to Z and, and making sure that we have thought of all the scenarios are, are areas that, uh, that we are working through. So one of the recent, like we asked about a recent example, uh, one of our recent challenges has been, you know, we have all this data being thrown at us from our customers. And in the past, we could go, oh, no problem. We'll go and figure it out and, and, and do it. Now we have all this data from all these customers being thrown at us, right? So we now have to come up with a model where we prioritize. This whole SOC maturity journey is fantastic. We sit down with our customers and kind of walk them through and say, we can't boil the ocean together. We can do it in three, six months, nine months, however long it takes, but let's figure out what are the, you know, low-hanging fruits and making sure that we're building up the case. And our team has come up with a fantastic process of engaging early with our customers and defining that plan, which anybody in the organization can execute, right? So that planning and putting together and centralized tracking uh, has, been, has been fantastic. And uh, I love seeing how the team kind of stood up to the challenge and came up with this on their own. And now we can run multiple proof of concepts and have multiple customers onboarded at the same time, no issues.
1: Yeah, that appreciate that concept of scale. When you get the f- just the first few clients, everyone can be working on it. There's no problem there. But as you grow, instituting a onboarding process and a prioritization element becomes, sounds a, a paramount. Uh, how, how big is the team now? I know you distributed across several we locations. We are
0: uh, roughly a little north of 130 people uh, distributed between US, uh, uh, Canada, and the Middle East. And now, and uh, this quarter setting up operations in, in India.
1: Very cool. Going forward, obviously um, there's there'll be new challenges. I, I imagine in this world of COVID, it doesn't affect you at all because everything is already online. And are you finding actually though, it's more customers are needing this type of solution in this type of environment that they're like, they want a managed service. I think you mentioned this in our previous conversation.
0: Yes, absolutely. So customers are are having this conversation on a daily basis, CIOs and CISOs are increasingly asking the question on how can I disruption proof my SOC? Do I have the proper components and the process and the people in place who can do that? And we have seen a a heightened level of interest in the technology, in the service that we have built, right? We are as a service company and we have seen that that uptick and in interest. Everybody is very interested in learning more. The concept of democratizing threat hunting and SIM for customers is very appealing. These were you know, technologies and, and areas which were not accessible before, even to large companies, irrespective of the size, right? And the fact that we can make this available at a monthly consumption price is, uh, is, is fantastic for them. So uh, we have definitely seen uh, a lean in and more interest in this space.
1: For you as a, a leader, what um, books, audiobooks, uh, podcasts, blogs, articles, where do you go and have gone to to gain insight and would uh, open to sharing?
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, I uh, I have, uh, I'm a book, uh, uh, sorry, big books reader. I, I love, love reading books. Uh, I listen to podcasts all the time and I try and uh, split my time between technology related articles and uh, and uh, and then some leadership company building uh, uh, books as well and uh, uh, i yeah I just go through books whenever I can before I was able to travel I, I could read on the plane right that was my time to decompress and, and read and and I really enjoy uh, that that I call this my me and my book time but now with no travel, it's a little bit harder. Uh, you're always working, and if you're not, then you have your family kind of uh, hovering around you. So uh, it's, it's an interesting balance. So my reading has gone down a little bit, but uh, I try and drive a mix between technology, keeping up with what's new, what's latest, and what's the future, and then some organization uh, building books, right? Making sure that as we scale, I'm learning from the experiences
1: of others. Any recent ones that you can sh- uh, say that you're like, well, I really like this one and rec- could recommend? Um, uh, You know,
0: I reread this book. Um uh, There's a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. It's a, it's an old book. And uh interestingly, uh, it's in my library. I, I I happened to just stare at it one day and I said, you know what, I can reread this. It's been a little while. Uh, big fan of, of that book. Uh, and I found... A lot of what has been discussed in the book is what we are living through. So I, I, I almost take, uh, I take consolation from the fact that uh, others have gone through this uh, book before. And right before that, I reread another book, uh, which is interesting uh, because there's so many new books to read. And I'm going back and rereading books. Uh, there was a book um, called Escape Velocity. And uh, I kind of reread both these books back to back. And I, I love them because they absolutely, I see myself and
1: Saishib and our company and our our team in those books. What kind of technology innovations do you predict we'll see in the near term, the next year or so, and the long term, next five, 10 years?
0: Um, More data science and automation. I honestly think that we are just scratching the surface when it comes to AI and data science and application of these technologies in the cybersecurity business and data in general. I think we'll see a lot more. Uh, And I'm just going to try and keep my uh, crystal ball uh, prediction to cybersecurity because that's the business I understand the most. Um, I see consolidation happening. So, uh, you know, customers asking for do more with less, kind of, you know, uh, give me a solution which covers multiple areas. So there'll be some consolidation happening, which we have seen in the past. We've seen that. Uh, I see this concept of SaaS evolving, that I think is the, gonna be the biggest disruption. Uh, in the past, software as a service was purely software. I think the future is software as a service is gonna be backed by experts, right? Experts who can help customers leverage, even though it's a service, they need to be fully utilized and, and configured and, and work properly. And, and most SaaS companies end up ask having their customers spend millions of dollars in, in configuring it right and so on. And we feel, that evolution happening where there are experts behind uh, behind a SaaS service. So these are kind of the high-level uh, areas. Where there's a lot of interest around, uh, if you're interested, zero, zero trust, both network, identity, users. So there is a lot of movement there. Um, so we'll see
1: some, some progress on that front as well. So lots of exciting stuff on the go. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.